Okay, welcome everybody to the 99th episode of uh, oh Dojo Universe. And uh, a, lot has, a lot has happened in 99 weeks. <laughs> we'd be curious to um, we'd be curious to go back and listen to episode number one. I, I uh, who even knows what we talked about? Now I'm curious, so I'm going to go look it up at podcast.dojouniversity.com. Your archives go back that far? They have every single episode. Uh, conceptually, <laughs> yeah. Um, archives, April 2012. Hmm. Interesting. had so much to talk about. <laughs> Rab, Rab Wallace. Ooh, that was back in the day when um, when uh, Rab Wallace. Uh, I don't know what was. I forget what happened. He I think, didn't. He, didn't he comment on? Um, he wrote a letter to the Voice commenting on something. I think you had written about tutors. And talking about the uh, College of Piping Tutor, or I think one, like one sentence in the, in the in the article, I think said something about the College of Piping Tutor being, you know, sort of just this, the the default tutor that everyone uses, and that you know, sort of keeping up with the times was necessary, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. So that would have been we we would have just released our Piper's Dojo Tutor, um, which is uh, which the whole reason we made the tutor was as an alternative to um, the traditional methods of learning. Now, uh, I learned the traditional way, um, and I still refer students to the traditional books all the time, especially the Green Book. Um, but we also really like the Piping Center Tutor. But, but anyway, the whole reason that we, you know, what would be the point of coming out with a tutor that was like the same as other people's tutors? So we had a different spin on it. And I remember I wrote an article in The Voice sort of promoting the tutor a little bit and, uh, what have you, and, and, you know, I thought respectfully criticizing some of the downfalls of the tutor. Well, anyway, uh, Mr. Wallace from the um, College, uh, College of Piping uh, didn't like that too much, so he wrote a letter to the editor and it was very controversial. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then episode two, Drone Swabbing Basics, uh, and it uh, looks like a review of the Route 66 thing. Was that uh, that long ago? Wow. Yeah, that was two years ago. Jeez. Oh, and then uh, episode three, Donald McPherson had just passed in April of 2012. So we listened to some of him. Wow, that's crazy, isn't it? I think that's nuts. Wow. It seems like it seems 10 like, years ago. Not I know, it didn't seem like that long ago. I don't know. Um, anyway, I am working on, I'm hoping... Uh, by the end of the hour to have our special guest completely confirmed for next Wednesday uh, for our 100th episode. Uh, and I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, and, of course, if it falls through now, it could be a pretty boring 100th episode. <laughs> I, I, I am not ashamed. 100 ways to die at a Highland Games. How about that one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll do the other 50. <laughs> well, and, and uh, I'm not ashamed to say in this case I have placed all of my eggs in one basket because uh, that's just the kind of guy I am. Oh, Andrew can be there. That's awesome, dude. Glad to hear it. 
Um, yes, indeed. We'll have to, we'll have to uh, make sure we get you a special fiber optic connection, Andrew, so, you know, so we can hear you perfectly clearly. Um, speaking of fiber optic connections, or not so much, um, we also have uh, – it's interesting that it'll be exactly two years since our first podcast – um, next week, because um, sometime next week, we're going to be launching an all-new course um, that uh, goes all the way through all of the dojo fingerwork fundamentals. So in the past couple of years, um, in the past five years, really, I mean, when I first moved back and started to work with Oren Moore, um, a lot of my ideas about fingerwork and how to approach it um, in a way that's fundamentally most beneficial. It really sort of started then. And then when, um, when we launched Dojo U, things really started to come together. And we finally finished – oh, I'm about to finish the video recording. Um, it's over 15 hours of video uh, about uh, all the fingerwork fundamentals, and it's all laid out in a really cool course um, that you'll be able to purchase starting next week. So, um, so that's pretty exciting. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool when it's when it's finished. Um, Is it going to be better than those videos on YouTube with the guy with this baseball memorabilia in the background and sort of giving us some tips on it? Yeah, okay. It should be a lot better. That's your, that's uh, your competition. There you go. Because <laughs> that's yeah, free, you know. That is free, um, and I think you probably, um, you know, I don't know. I don't. I, I, you know, I'm sure there are, there are some interesting elements of those videos. <laughs> I haven't watched very many. I haven't watched them, so I'm not going to judge them. My personal hope is that with those, you get what you pay for, so that uh, I'll be able to be competitive. There is quite a bit on YouTube, though. I have to say, like I was, you know, every time you sort of play some sort of bagpipe related video, the, the choices that come up are always like. You know all these different how to play Amazing Grace, this that other tune. It's just lots of lots of people are out there sort of showing everyone else how to play practice chanter. Yeah. So it's quite, quite well, the, the uh, repository. Yeah, I think that uh, you know I think what's interesting about we're, what we're doing at the dojo, um, and and I don't mean it, uh, and it's not in a way that. I actually talk about this in one of the videos. I ended up on a tangent, believe it or not. I, I, I ended up on a tangent. Uh, Carl's laughing at me. Uh, it, was, it was brief, though. Don't let it stop you from buying the uh, course. Uh, but um, I think one of the cool things about we're, what, we're, what we've done at the dojo and what we're going to continue to do um, is we take a completely new – I mean, Vin, you can attest to this. Um, you're sort of a guy that came out to the band and sort of saw the different spin that we take on things and um, – so it's completely different. There's a completely different theme to what we're doing as far as how to approach uh, playing the music and executing finger work properly. And I think that's, uh, that's where the, the real value in the course is going to be. It really goes, and then uh, Carl knows, it's, it, really does, it really hits everything. Like we start, we start from the basics, like how to play the scale properly. We work all the way through to really uh, complex and personalized um, expression. We work all the way through it in an objective way, which I, I've never seen anything like it on YouTube or elsewhere, um, and it's really cool. So. There you go. 
Carl, you have a private message. Stop reading your inboxes for uh, you know the launch of that. I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it should be should be really fun. And then um, within a month or two, there's a second course coming out that's all about instrument fundamentals as well. Uh, and the two are going to sort of uh, go back and forth. There's some weird like private chatting going on, and I don't like it. <laughs> uh, Gar- Gary and Carl have something going on, so. Um, We'll leave that to them. Okay, so fifth, uh, in honor of the new uh, Seth MacFarlane movie, I thought I would um, have a class called 50 Ways to Die at the Games. Uh, and ba- basically, uh, I don't have any definitive plans here other than to say there are some things you should avoid doing at the games uh, in order to have a good time and uh, in order to avoid the um, inevitable urge to quit piping forever because some really embarrassing things have happened at the games over the years. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You at least have to make it fun for yourself so you can keep doing this thing, you know, because competition seems to be the way to sort of keep at it. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, by the way, uh, apparently the private messages have to do with whether or not I shave for the videos. So here's how that works. I'm going to explain to you how that works. Full disclosure, I don't want you to purchase anything that might make you uncomfortable in any way. So here's how this works. First of all, I got a haircut when I started filming the course. That's the first thing you should know. Second thing you should know is I I haven't shaved. uh, I haven't shaved since... Like in five, I think it's been five years since I've shaved, and that's a fact. I'm not exaggerating. And I'll tell you how I know that because I remember I shaved maybe six months to a year before I got married, and my wife hated it. Uh, I've always been scruffy. My wife met me when I was scruffy, and then one day, out of the blue, I shaved, and she was like, "No, you you may not do that again." Uh, so the wedding rolled around, and I said, of course you want me to shave for the wedding. She's like, no, trim it down nice and close, um, but uh, you will not be shaving. Uh, and so uh, that's, sort of, that's sort of how it works for me. Uh, I would not be popular in my home if I came home shaven whatsoever. So, so you're not like some – so that your face is not like, you know, a lot of mammals that have sort of a fixed length of hair. It just grows and then stops. That's not, uh, that's not the way it works. My reputation, <laughs> my reputation is uh, not that the, the hair stays the same length. So anyway, I get a haircut and I I, I do a close uh, like what do you call that? Like a close thing with my razor, my beard trimmers. Yeah. So I have a close trim. I have a close trim for the first day of filming. Okay, second second day of filming, slightly longer trim, hair gets a little bit longer. And what's interesting is I told Carl when I first started filming the video for the course, I told Carl that, um, Carl, I'm actually, uh, and this is good trivia, like few people will know this uh, moving forward because I'm not going to talk about it. Although, um, well, Andrew says then it all goes to hell. Well, it's interesting because 
Last, la- this is this is where I am now. About a week ago, I finished the filming proper for the course. So all the main guts, I finished. So I'm it. having images by the end of this thing where you just sort of appearing in this face full of hair, just sort of like you know, fingernails are this long, and you're just sort of like just talking about finger work and just because you just never uh, moved, well, just got into it, and just kept filming. You know. Well, here's the trick. Here's the trick. Was I? I told Carl I'm actually not going to start with part one of the course. I'm going to come back. And I'm going to teach part one after I've done the other parts of the course. Um, the because that way, hell happened. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to come back and I'm going to film the first part of the course last so that when the first thing people see in the course is like a well-refined product. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway life happens. Uh, a few delays occur, different things happen. Like I had a week where I got called into like three different gigs. So filming got delayed. Then we went to Fair Hill. Then it's like, crap, I really have to finish this course. Uh, and I, I look in the mirror and I have my day all mapped out, but I look in the mirror when I wake up in the morning and it's like, crap, I overlooked that detail. So it's actually really funny, Gary, that you should ask about the shaving. So you'll notice that for parts one, and two of the course, um, I, I'm a little bit uglier, and when I have a big old sunburn on my nose from Fair Hill, it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And then it gets yeah. progressively yeah, we got to the makeup crew and told you you there, I guess. The whole course. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really good because you know you go through it and he he looks better by the end. He's got the games tan going. Yeah, exactly. The little Gary V in your head, you know, like the whole thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. The other the other thing. <laughs> The other thing, too, and uh, uh, I'm sorry if this is, like, tragically boring for folks, but the other thing to mention is that day where I where I came in and I was like, all right, I'm going to finish this today, and I did parts one and two. Um, I came in, which I often do. Like, I often get to work, like, at 5 in the morning because that's when I have the most time to do stuff. So I got in at 5, and by 5.15 I was recording. Uh, and I started with part one. So, like, the very opening video of the course, yeah, my content was well prepared, but I, my hair is, like, long. I'm a little bit, like, not as shaven as I need to be. My eyes are all puffy, and my voice is, like, an octave lower. Um, <laughs> You'll so, but, but anyway, anyway. That's a good segue to our uh, 50 ways to die at this game, because number one on my list is always never forget your sunscreen, right? That's it. So your sunburn nose is going to be a constant reminder to folks when they purchase the course and they start watching. It's like, oh, my gosh, I have to make sure I have sunscreen with me when I go out to the games. Fairhill was the classic. I mean, this is just basic life advice, really, isn't it? But Fairhill Games was the classic because it was cool and windy, but there wasn't a cloud in the sky. So I just got absolutely yeah. rampaged with sunburn at Fairhill. We all did. It was pretty bad. Um, yeah, and so, up on you, especially when you're out in the fields and stuff. So you really got to definitely have to. That's number one survival tip right there. Just always lather up. Yeah, I don't know. That's not my number one for the sole reason that that usually affects you after the fact. My my number one absolute majority best way to die is not drinking water. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That that because that that'll kill you on the day. Um, yeah, you got to drink water. There, like, just to throw it out there, we don't have to talk about actual death at the games all day. <laughs> like this is a well, I know. have some actual death stories. So I was I was going to prepare them. As, so there was a, you know, there are ways to die in, in games. Um, it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Run, happened running yes. under a caber. 
Yes, it happened. Or, you know. Several near misses. <laughs> but actually, I mean, there was the Delco, old Delco games, which don't exist anymore. They used to be at the Devon, Pennsylvania showgrounds, horse grounds there and for years. And that was like sort of a staple of the Eastern calendar. And uh, then the, the track or something got, you know, got in a snit and sort of kicked the games out and they had to find other locations. So they ended up finding this airstrip somewhere in like Pennsylvania in the, in the wilderness somewhere, you know, and of course, you know, the parking is all under the trees and grass while as the games is out on the, on the strip, you know, like this gigantic expanse (laughs) of nothing in the blazing sun, you know, in June or the end of June or whatever it was. And, uh, there was one of the last years they had it. Um, you know, one of the drum majors collapsed during mass bands and, and, and died of a heart attack. Several, a couple of years they had it there, there was always somebody collapsing from heat exhaustion, um, you know, Gospel. stuff like that. So, like, you know, you know, these guys are, most of the drum majors are dressed up in number one kit, you know, they're like, they got the bonnets, they got the tunics, it's, it's pretty nasty. So, um, you know, what one, di- one person actually did die in that game. And that was, yeah. I think that was the final year of that game. <laughs> it happens. I feel like it happened at, I feel like a, maybe a spectator died at Round Hill one year too. It happens, man. It gets really hot out there. It gets really hot, yeah. And you don't realize it because you're having fun and you're out and sort of seeing stuff, but you you, you realize you, you haven't been in a shade, a portion of shade for like six hours, and you realize, wow, you know, why am I dizzy, you know? Water, water, water. Now, here on a related note, was anybody else, I mean, uh, Carl, I think you were there. Was anyone else at Maxville in 2008 yep. where we had the monsoon? Uh, it was the absolute craziest weather I've ever seen, ever, ever. And it was at the games. Uh, it was at the games. We were outside, and, like, our, you know, the entire – it was the North American Championships. It was right after we played the MSR. Um, and and then, apparently, like, guys were getting hit by lightning. Like, uh, one band's tent was, like, near this light pole. Um, and there are rumors that people were like legitimately semi like zapped by lightning. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and so that's another way you could die at the games. Literally, let's talk about ways you could die more figuratively at the games. <laughs> like, um, like here's one. I'll get the ball rolling. Hunter Mountain Games. Everybody marches down the ski hill at the end of the day. And the urban legend is that bass drummers from time to time. Fall and go headlong over, yeah. over themselves like down a big the hill. over their drum. <laughs> That's horrible. But I'm glad Carl is getting a real kick out of that. Yeah, uh, uh, you can tell I don't pe- funny, play baseball. Plenty of people trip on that hill down the way down. That's for sure. Um, yeah, because immediately way at the top and the grass is not usually cut way up there, so it's, uh, it's quite dangerous. And everything's hidden because yeah. it's it's a ski slope, so it's rutted. You know, it's not like smooth ground. You know, it's not. And it's it's a it's a ski slope and it's just pitted and it's got holes and rocks and they're all hidden by the long grass. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, Andrew, uh, I just Andrew, I, I'm a little bit worried. You you seem to have a bit of a sheep obsession today. Uh, he mentioned but, uh, something earlier about sheep running into the circle at uh, at Loch Norman. I want to know more about that one. Yes, that was, uh, my father has the same affliction. Quite literally, loves sheep. Livestock and piping mix in a way that is usually useful and utilitarian. Not livestock that's actually moving and piping don't necessarily match very well. Yeah, we had was it last year I think at uh, the Maxville Solos 
um, a sheep got out and was running around as, as several of us were playing solos. Yeah, I mean, it, one sheep running around, it was just a little bit distracting, but the judges were all kind of snickering, and some of us had to play, like, P-Rock while a sheep was going. I mean, actual games, actual games in Scotland, like, this is pretty common to have just, like, ridiculously difficult obstacles to deal with as you're oh, playing. Yeah. Like, Bridge of Allen is the classic. Like, one one year... Um, one year they're bringing Oren Moore. One year they're bringing Oren Moore up to the line, and the stewards will actually sort of usher you to the line. So we're walking forward, you know, following the steward. All of a sudden he goes, "Halt, halt!" So the band like like stops, and like the people behind the front rank all like crash into the rank in front of it. And like there's a bicycle race, like thirty bicycles going like forty miles per hour on the grass, just zoom, like right in front of our noses. And then we had to wait till they passed, and then we had to, like, literally hustle across the track so that the next lap didn't, like, run us over. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, that was during a practical monsoon as well. And that so, happens. You know, and, and the dancing is just the same way. On the other side of that track, the dancing platform is, like, in the middle of the field, and so all the dancers have to cross that track during the bike races. It's very funny. Um, yeah, let's see. What else we got? Uh, Dennis oh. says, this makes me sick. All these guys dying, taking the easy way out. You don't see me running around dying all over. Um, yes, <laughs> D- Dennis, um, I, I agree. Dying is not good. What's really funny um, is that like, I, I've often said, you know, you go to these games and it's a festival. It's a pretty good collection of random people sort of into their thing, whether it's the clans and you got pipers and you have sort of, you know, reenactors of varying kinds. Um and it doesn't seem to be much violence going on. Like, everyone seems to be get along pretty well. They just sort of keep to themselves. And I w- always wondered, like, if, if things blended too much, would you actually get, you know, people taking out their fake swords and, like, hacking at each other and, you know, just because you just... I advocate mix- that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it, everybody keeps to themselves. I've, I've seen it. Hunter Mountain seems to be where the, the sort of that mix tends to sort of blend together into the big... Stone Mountain. Stone Mountain you know, is... Uh... And, and you see fights and... You sort of reenact this Rocky. <laughs> and a cat. That's in other news. In recent news, Vintonowski co-hosted his attack by attack by household cat. No, John says here, I, I, I don't remember what a June bug is, but he said he had one walking around his lower hand during competing in, in Charleston. I, I remember... Um, one year at the Chicago Highland Games, uh, it was probably five or six years ago now, it was like the big cicada infestation uh, oh, where we had them flying everywhere. And they would uh, they were somehow drawn to the, the, the sound of the drones um, or they, the, they were, the wood was warm or something, but they would they'd land on there and, uh, you know, we were doing a band competition. And, I mean, they quite literally would land on the top and you'd, Get kind of weird noises come out yeah, of the drones. Yeah, they when they land. Yeah. Their wings make noises. Yeah. But yeah, but they'd land on you, and they they don't bite or anything, but they have. No. But they're big. Claws <laughs> and they're big, and so you can feel them. It's kind of like this little prickly thing as they're walking around you. And I mean, we had guys where they were on their face during the competition. I mean, crawling up the back of your leg. I mean, that's crazy. Not Pleasant, not a way to die, but certainly not pleasant. Not uh, cool. Yeah, that was that was brutal. 
That would make me stop and say, yeah, can I do yeah, it again, please, without, without the extra <laughs> life forms of my body? Yeah, please. <laughs> I have a weird thing with bugs. Like, I don't, I don't like bugs. Yeah, you would not have been a fan of this day. It was difficult to. It's very. Dis- I, I find I find the insect thing very distracting. You know, you're trying to play, and it's like you know, and, it, and it's like you know, it's, even if it's just flies, or especially when it's bees or wasps or something to fly around your face, even if they don't even land, they're just distracting. You know, making noise and um, it's always that threat of landing on you. You know, there was one from Sam to get the ball rolling earlier today. I think we have to mention, which is. And I'm not sure if this is good or bad, Sam. I'm not sure if I'm praising you or scorning you. Uh, but Sam, sadly, while wearing the Nessie costume, that's the Loch Ness Monster costume, a piper tripped on your tail and cracked his chanter. Wow. Sam, I think that's funny. Where was it? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on which, who you're asking. Yeah, do you have what, what, what games were you wearing a Nessie costume, Sam? You have to you have to fill us in. Was it somewhere local for you? I do wonder that. At the Chicago oh, games. Yeah. Should I, really? I, so there's something you use walking around a Nessie costume. That's pretty cool. Somebody's yeah. tripped on your tail. See, that's, who, that's a hazard. Who knew, like... Chicago is not just like the home of, uh, you know, it's not the Sears Tower anymore. Chicago's really no, known for Tower. being really windy, but it's also known for an extremely violent version. Played by our very own Sam. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, the games that like games in the U.S. are very sanitized that you know that way. Even like you know, so there's no, very few obstacles or dangers you have to deal with. Yeah. You know, you there's, to, no, there's nothing sanitary about the games. <laughs> you go to well, you, like you said before, you go to Scotland. It's all kinds of things like between you know, sort of inconveniences like loudspeakers blaring behind the band or bike races going zip in front of you. Like the bouncy castles are sitting there where you're in your final tuning and your all this stuff is going. Like they don't seem to care <laughs> one way or the other. Just sort of just do it, you know. Yeah. And the all these things create their own troubles, you know. Yeah, the generator for the bouncy castle is always yeah. tuned. <laughs> Exactly yeah. one semitone below your low A. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. All right. See you later, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. That's the world famous Andrew Adams. Everyone. Going back to work. Charles mentions like the historical reenactors who have their cannons that blow their cannons off just to sort of. I've never. I've seen. I have seen one games that used to be. I think the Southern Maryland games have a. Uh, some colonial reenactors that blow off cannons in a salute at the start of the games, you know, when the the opening ceremonies. But other than that, I've never seen anybody just sort of randomly shooting off their cannons, you know, or blowing, you know, shooting their blanks out of their muskets or something. Um, I wish Leslie was here today. One year, uh, it was the year that Graydon and Hides and Corn and Sacks was in the silver medal list. And I was playing my P-Brock at uh, Rockland Games, and Leslie got attacked by a bee while I was playing. And apparently <laughs> she gets freaked out by bees. So she got up from the judges' table and, like, ran away from the bee and then ran back. And I'm playing. I'm watching this. I'm playing my tune. She's my judge. <laughs> she ran away, and then she ran back, and then she ran, did a couple laps around the table. Then she sat back down, continued to write, and I think I won the contest. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep going. Just keep going. 
Bees. Uh, let's see. Yeah, well, got to watch out for those bees. Yeah. People get stung occasionally, you know. They, st- they tend to stay away from, you know, when you're playing, when, you, when the band's playing, they, they don't, they'll sort of fly around, but they don't tend to generally land. I think it's just too sort of noisy and chaotic for them, you know, or something. But occasionally people get stung. It lands on your hand or something, and it'll sting. Because the first thing you want to do is, like, swat it off. Yeah. There's uh, something here about Civil War replica mortars being thrown into the lake as you're playing. Yes, got to watch out for those. Uh, Junebug. Gulfport, Mississippi, during Parade of the Clans, the jousters' horses bolted into the middle of the mass bands. <laughs> Nobody was hurt, but it was scary. Wow, that's, <laughs> that that's really would be scary. That's 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 ways to genuinely die figuratively and literally. There, at least the uh, hopefully the jousters weren't also like pointing their jousts uh, <laughs> as their horses ran into the mass pants. Takes a little too far, I think. Charles is asking, will the video series that I am coming out with be available with the premium membership? The answer is it's additional, so. Um, you, it's accessed on the website, but it's an additional purchase. And what it does is it basically brings everything, all the finger work fundamentals that we talk about at DojoU, sort of brings them all together officially. Um, however, um, you do get, um, if you're new to DojoU, you can get a free month of premium with the purchase of it. So, um, so yeah, it's a little bit of an add-on. Uh, technically, you could get a lot of the ideas by perusing the archive of Dojo U, um, but you're not going to be able to get it all organized and well thought out um, like we designed this course to be. So um, so that's at least the plan at the moment. And so that's a good question. Uh, see, this is not this is not what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, one year, a yellow jacket got into the soda, soda of Kurt's wife, and she got stung five uh, stung on the lip five minutes before competition. Oof. Yeah, that's pretty nasty. Thanks. Well, there's also ways. I mean, especially not so much you can die, but your instrument can die as well, right? There's a. I've, I'm always petrified of putting my pipes on the ground. Just like one of those things, I just avoid if at all possible anywhere you are, no matter if it's an expansive green field or not, because there's always that idiot, right, who trips or is coming your way or just ends up gravitating there. Um, generally, the cars are parked everywhere, you know, because the bands are parked in the sort of competition areas, and um, there's always that accident that can happen. Stuff falls out of a car, somebody backs up six inches, you know, just to make room or something, you know. I've heard stories like that, and I've seen things like that happen, um, you know, where it's just, it just makes me petrified just to leave my case or my pipes anywhere nearby, any of that stuff. Um, so you to find a quiet corner. Where there's yeah. no one. Just never, uh, just can't, you can never put your practice chanter or your pipes on the ground. It's just a bad no. idea. It is bad. It's, even, uh, especially on the, like, the wet, you know, the, it's, the ground's always wet and it's always dirty, muddy, insect infested. <laughs> you know, it's just a variety of things that can go wrong. You know, sometimes it's unavoidable. Like, you know, I, you know, you just have no place to go, so you have to, your case has to be at least laid on the ground or something. But yeah, um, yeah I'm always I'm always nervous about that. Um, yeah, 
Ashby, I yeah, Ashby's got Atherton, so you definitely don't want to put those on the ground. No, no. Well, I mean, you could sell you another set, maybe. <laughs> Just kidding. Bad joke. Sarcasm. All right. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm getting into these like reenactors who are like sort of, um, you know, running all over the games field. I, I wish we had more of that here in the East. I mean, it's fun to watch and also like just adds an element of risk to the whole thing. I think that you just have to watch where you, you know, like I'm tired of like worrying about the, the the lady and her dog who walks, you know, through my Peabrock as I'm trying to play, you know, like which has happened on more than one occasion. You know, or, you know, the person who just is not paying attention where they're going as you're trying to do your march and, you know, you don't understand boundaries. <laughs> you know, I, if I had to worry about horses, you know, guys on horseback with jousts and guys in chain mail walking around with their drawn swords might be a little more fun. Yeah, it might be. It might also be easier to concentrate at the... Um the games where you don't have anyone running around like that. You know, it takes the pressure off. If, you know, the, the imminent threat of death versus, you know, playing your tune well, if you have to deal with both and you take one out, it could be kind of nice. It's Good funny. training. Well, the, the CPA posts pictures of various games, you know, around Scotland uh, on their website or on their Facebook page too sometimes. And, you know, it's always weird. Like, you know, the judges are always sitting in a little hut, right? They got their little huts for the judges set up, and then the boards are sitting in front. And it's always, like, in the midst of, like, vendors or people set up. Like, it's just sort of there's a line of tables and tents, and then there's a piping judge tent and a platform and somebody playing. You know, it's like it's just one of the things in in that row. And that's, you know, people are walking around, and they're just there's no – and that's, these are some of the smaller games, obviously, like because I've seen others where there's, you know, boundaries and fencing that keep people away, you know. But uh, it's just, you know, I don't know, it just adds a, le- a level of, of uh, something. I don't know what, what it might be, but uh, these pipers seem to deal with it just fine. Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> while we have a lull in the action, I think it was Russell recommends not, uh, not upsetting any bigger girls with tattoos. <laughs> uh, not a good idea at the games. Russell, I think that's – I can't believe we forgot to mention that. That is extremely important. Yeah. There also does seem to be a lot of large people with tattoos at the Highland Games, whether they're yes. athletes or not. Um, generally I'm not judging, I'm not judging them in any way other than to say it's not a good idea to piss them off. <laughs> so what if they've got their moose horn drinking tankard on their, on their belts and – they're walking around in their utilicilts and work boots. It's okay with me, <laughs> especially when they're twice my size. In Sacramento, Charles has a regular character that dresses as a Viking in fur loincloth. At Pleasanton, there, there's a rather good-looking lady that has a leather bikini and large feather wings. Yes. Are they a couple? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they've crossed paths over the years. Um, let's see. <laughs> See, this is good. That's the good stuff. You, gotta, it, it just, you don't want to mess. You don't want to mess with them either, because they're right. you know clearly You're just gonna uh, let them do their thing, and they'll let them do yours. Predatory nature there. Uh, John says, <clears throat> Scottish games were a surprise, a combination of boot sale, neighborhood fair, and local carny. We saw Gordon Duncan compete as the kilted milers dashed by. Yes, there's <laughs> nothing quite like the games. <clears throat> 
It is. It is true. I think we, we I think in, in a, at one year, the at Bridge of Allen, I took the kids and we, we sort of rolled around in those big clear bubbles that float on the water for a while. I think I saw some kilts in there too during the course of the day as well. Those things are scary, man. <laughs> they are frightening. Those little bubbles that you're supposed to like roll around in the water with? A big hamster ball, yeah. What happens if it like breaks open and it fills up? Do you die? I don't, I don't know. The water's only like a foot and a half deep, not even like... Oh, that helps. Okay, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been, I don't like bugs, heights, or tight spaces as I age. I didn't used to care, but now I don't like it. I don't think about mud. I never used to care, but I care a lot now for some reason. It just bothers me, especially when you I'm trying to... No, I just don't. Li- I just don't like dealing with it. You know, it's just it's one of those things that just sort of brings me down on games day because there's just mud everywhere. You know, because it just ruins everything. You got to worry about getting on you and getting on your instruments and all that stuff. Or slipping and falling on. Yeah, exactly. With with your pipes in your on your shoulder or something, for example, or uh, yeah. yeah, or dropping a drone read or two. I won't name any names, but one year, I think 2009, it was like torrentially downpouring at the World Championships, and we had a member of our band uh, fall like completely, like and all and completely submerge into a puddle in final tuning. <laughs> uh, and luckily, the person ne- next to this person grabbed their pipes, <laughs> but at the same time, they just grabbed the pipes and let the person completely <laughs> fall. It was great. Kind of uh, that's, that's an instinctive kind of piping mentality, I guess. I don't know. All right. Oh, I'll be fine. I'll, I'll protect the pipes. And, you know, what's even funnier is that the person who fell probably handed up the pipes, too, like to keep them out of the water, and then it just was like, it was just like one of these things that happened in the blink of an eye. You know, just instinctive. Yes, yeah. rescue my pipes. I'm trying to get them out of the way. Unbelievable. I didn't, like, I didn't know about it, thank God, uh, <laughs> until after. Oof. Uh, but uh, there's a way. There's a way to die at the games: drowning in a Glaswegian puddle. <laughs> you, gotta watch, you gotta watch out for that. God knows what swimming in it. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Probably. Yeah. Uh oh. So I just got. Uh, just got uh, an email with some Nessie picks from Sam. <laughs> Okay, so you guys talk. Let me dig those up. Seventeen-year locust infestation. Locust flying faces up yeah. all over drummers. Sort of a distraction. Oh my gosh, that is bizarre. That is bizarre. It seems like Chicago seems to be a sort of a, a magnet for all this bizarre stream. I don't know. I mean, I went to that games many, many years, and the cicadas was the only, the only bad one that uh, I had to deal with, but. Uh, I think we got it easy out here on the East Coast, man. They're, they're nice games, generally speaking. <laughs> uh, locusts, yeah. Locusts, I don't know. Ten years ago. <laughs> These pictures are awesome. <laughs> are they okay, real Nessie photos cicadas. or just yeah, sort of goofy costume I was there for that one. I didn't think locusts were the same as cicadas. But. So, guys, in case you didn't believe Sam... <laughs> <laughs> it's Nessie costume. We're gonna see a pic. Yeah. So here comes Nessie number one. Yeah. This is like this is Nessie lurking he, by the. He's lock. helping us give us rule number three, which beneath sunscreen and water is to stay away from the costumed characters at the games. You never know yeah, what. So can this happen. is 
the, the first one is Nessie lurking near the loch. This is the first one that's coming up, coming up for you guys. There, there he is. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Are those pot holders on his hands? Man, uh, man. It would appear is... those are oven mitts on the hands, yes. Well done there, Sam. That is, uh, that is a sight. And a little yeah, baby is... in there in the water. Yeah. And then picture number two is uh, Nessie sort of learning how to socialize better with humans. That's <laughs> picture number two. There he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> unfortunately, we did not get. Um, unfortunately, we did not get the picture of I Nessie. Say, you know, I, I would. That's a, I would say it's good advice, Sam, to stay away from you while we're in the cops because it doesn't look like you can control it very well. So I'm not going to come anywhere near you. That looks like an unwieldy piece of equipment. Yeah, I don't recall Nessie like technically being Irish, but apparently, uh, <laughs> apparently he is. He's got the uh, Irish hat on there. Did you did you happen to see at the world's the guy on the stilts in the kilt playing his pipes? We got pictures. Oh yeah, he's movies. there every year. Oh yeah, that little Vincent got pictures with him. He's 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 nuts. It's kind of like that. It's not a, not something you want to go near with your instrument. You know when you're actually focusing on something else because it's just like an unwieldy thing that could just go out of control at any moment. You know, and just like just go south. That's like that, you so know, like anything, the costume, any kind of costuming, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so Joe says uh, at the Estes Park Games, apparently there was a giant inflatable Nessie out in the lake and then the artillery guys that come to the games and fart around <laughs> with their artillery, apparently they spent the day trying to shoot him out of the lake. Nice. That's great. That's awesome. That's good. That's cool. That's cool. Well, every year, I, there used to be a festival, and I wrote, I wrote about this at the beginning, I just mentioned it, in Green Lane, Pennsylvania. It wasn't a competition or anything. It was just a big festival, just a free festival, a Scottish-Irish festival, and it was it was big, and it was in, you know, there was some dancing performances, and I was playing for some of the dancers, and, and uh, they had some duty bands going around, and it was just, it was fun. It was like a games without any kind of competition. It was that kind of level of things, vendors and food and everything else and music on stage. Anyway, the, the lake is in the center of the park and they have this float, like, like a parade float, you know, sort of paper mache, fiberglass, Nessie on top of a boat that just sort of makes its way around the lake, you know, which was pretty cool. And it's big. It's like huge. It's, and at some point, like I've never said, I've always kept saying, like you talk about shooting the Nessie in the lake. There's the, there's a whole uh, fenced-in thing of reenactors who joust and they sword fight and they do the whole thing and they have an actual trebuchet where they they launch coconuts into the lake. <laughs> and I was just like, well, where's the Nessie? They, you got to have the Nessie at the target. You know, it's like it doesn't make sense to just shoot random coconuts into the lake. You got to have to have a reason to shoot the coconuts. Anyway, and that would have been fun. Target shooting yeah, a Nessie. Do you have any African swallows with those coconuts? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, good news, guys. I just got an email confirming our special guest for next week. So, drum roll. That's good news. So, it's official. Next week on our 100th episode, uh, we'll be hanging out with Terry Lee on the show. Awesome. Terry Lee's going to join us for the hour. Terry Lee is, of course, the winningest pipe major in North American history and one of the winningest pipe majors of all time. 
Uh, Terry Lee is the just recently um, retired pipe major of the SFU Pipe Band. Led them to, I think, six world championships, which is no small feat. It's no small feat. Uh, and and uh, in, in addition to numerous top three placings in some form or another, I think since the early 90s, I believe, late 80s and early 90s. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think the first time SFU went over and made a dent at the Worlds was 83. So he's been in the, he's been in the game a while. That's a long game. Cool. Um, and, of course, he's the brother of Jack Lee, uh, and the two of them worked together to build the SFU dynasty over 20 or 25 years. So that's pretty cool. So, I know so Terry now, really well. Because, so he's uh, got some time now. He can actually come on a, a podcast for an hour. He's got an actual hour to spare. Yeah, well, <laughs> remember, it'll be 9 o'clock his time because he's from uh, – um, I've lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Oh, because he's on West Coast time. Yeah. Uh, that's why. Uh, Joe wants to know, what years was I with SFU? I played in SFU um, for the 2002 all the way through 2007 uh, seasons. So I played six world championships with the band. Although anyone astute in bagpipe history will know that their fourth world championship was won in 2001. <laughs> and their fifth world championship was won in 2008. Uh, so there you go. I was the reason they were not able to win for six years. Um, although uh, it was cool because the band, when the band did win in 2008, uh, they played a lot of material that I worked on. Uh, I even wrote some of it. So it's pretty cool. Uh, it's very, very cool. Uh very cool. And then, then, then they won with the same medley in 2009 as well. So that was pretty, pretty neat. Yep. Because then 2008 was the first uh, Oren Moore uh, season where I came back and worked with the band. So um, so there you go. Brief history. Um, cool. Well, let's wrap it up, guys. It looks like it looks like people are tired of talking about death. <laughs> <laughs> Can cover it pretty much every way you can die at the games. Pretty, well, that's pretty much all of the entertaining ways ones. and otherwise. Yeah, uh, I mean you've got to watch out for boils and bunions; those will kill you. I don't watch out for those, but we don't yeah. want to talk about those. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are not. We don't. Those are things we don't really want to talk about today, so we haven't talked about them. Right. Okay. Stay away yeah. from the meat pies until after you're done playing, because the Porter Johns are generally far away. Yeah. John says, take yeah, water, use sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So thanks for using sunscreen and sort of avoid the rain. Excellent. And stay away from guys in big, unruly, messy costumes. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yes, cool. indeed. We don't know. We, we might talk about anything with Terry. Anything from bagpipes to ways that he's seen people die at the games. Um, and then, of course, you guys can I, ask all sorts of questions. Say, ask all kinds of stuff, man. I, I would say, like, you know, already questions come to mind. What's the strangest thing you've ever seen in a pipe band competition? You know, Things like that. We'll get some good ones, uh, I think. Yeah, I don't think Terry is going to be uh, drinking or smoking cigars at 9 a.m. his time. <laughs> so we might have to save that for next time. Um, 
funny graduation caps. I yeah, don't know what that means, John. They, they have some pretty funny graduation caps. That's Who a does? Canadian thing. SFU. Oh, those are not actually – see, having graduated from SFU, I can tell you that the graduation caps are normal, but those are like the faculty caps. Those are the, yeah, the weird caps that faculty yeah. and – They only just stopped wearing wigs two years ago or something, right? Yeah, that's right. I think they still wear – this could sound weird. I think they still wear wigs uh, like lawyers. Oh, no, they don't wear wigs, but they wear the, the weird gown things. Oh, really? And they go to court, yeah. Or in, in, so, in British Columbia, really? That's cool. Yeah. Uh, well, Andrew's from Pitt Meadows. He can tell us. Uh, although he's probably already tuned out. Yeah, and we should absolutely ask Terry about his Highland dancing career. That's cool. Yes. Excellent. Uh, we'll have to ask him about that next week because I don't, I don't even know what that was all about. So we'll... We'll talk about that honorary doctorate business next week. All right, we're tuning out. Um, stay tuned for lots of emails about our upcoming new course and about uh, Terry Lee uh, next week on our 100th episode. 100th episode. Of, uh, the Dojo U podcast here. So uh, we'll see you later. Have a good Thank day, you. all. Goodbye. All right, bye for now.